Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wagnall. How are you doing today? Peachy. Just peachy. It's a term you don't hear much anymore. You just dated no. yourself. Did I? Went to like the 1860s? Yeah, or? yeah. <laughs> Or at least you know someone who was around long ago. Yeah, I feel like there have been people in my life who use that phrase, but I can't think of who they like are, genuinely? actually. Yeah. Peachy? Yeah, peachy. I, I mean, I can't put my finger on it now, though. But Like not being silly like you were kind of being. No. Like, yeah, not self-consciously. Just, just, just like a thing they say. Peachy. Yeah. Maybe, okay. it's like a, maybe it's like a Georgia thing, the peach state. Maybe. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know many people from Georgia, but... All right, what are we talking about today? Um, I, I had a, a client recently who um, met criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which is a um, disorder that arises out of uh, experiencing some kind of traumatic event. Um, and it's really common, as you can imagine, after having a traumatic event to have memories and thoughts of the traumatic event. Mm -hmm. For example, if you get in a really bad car accident, it's probably going to be pretty likely that for a while after that, you might have memories of what happened mm -hmm. and you might be frightened by those memories of what happened. Um, especially in situations that remind Especially you if of you go the... get in a car, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're not the driver, if you're the passenger, yeah. the first time you get in a car after a really bad car accident. Um, it's, or when you get close to that street where the accident happens. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, you come up to that intersection mm -hmm. or, yeah, or, or you see the car that, mm. you know, the type of car that hit you or yeah, something like that right. and it makes you nervous. Or the first time you're at a, um, you're, you're driving again and uh, a siren goes off mm. or any of those things that could kind of uh, cue you to remember that trauma. Um, individuals with post-traumatic stress really do try to avoid um, memories and, and um, or, 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 or events that, or, or context that might, um, cue them to remember their traumatic experience. And so because there's so much anxiety associated and pain associated with those memories. Yeah. Yeah. They're really yeah. unpleasant to experience, right? The, the memories, although they're natural, um, very normal and natural, they're not pleasurable to experience as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, they, they bring back a lot of painful memories, scary memories, shameful memories, whatever it is in that event, they evoke a lot of those mm -hmm. unpleasant kind of feeling um, experience. So, um, individuals with post-traumatic stress tend to do a lot of things to try to avoid any kind of reminder of their event, um, and, or thinking about what happened to them. Yeah. Okay. I want to, let's, I want you to keep going on that, but first let's kind of sort out trauma is one of those words that, um, <laughs> in some ways, like I just feel is kind of unwieldy. Like people use it in all sorts of different ways. And there are these, distinctions that, that get sloppily thrown around, but I think are actually really important to mm -hmm. be clear on. So, and you mentioned a bunch of them. So there's the traumatic event, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like the car crash, right? right? Or the, you got mugged or... It's usually described as an event where serious harm or death could have occurred. Gotcha. So yeah. the, but the, so that's the event itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the traumatic reaction. Like in the moment, how did you react to that? Mm -hmm. how, how did you feel? Like what happened? What was your physical reaction? What was your behavior? You know, mm -hmm. what did you do? Mm -hmm. Then there are traumatic memories, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that trigger memories of 
either the, the traumatic event or your reaction. Or how you felt the, terrified exactly. or you were frozen or, yeah, right? yeah. And then on top of all three of those, there is post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what, let's, can you kind of parse those out? Because I think they're, we all, we kind of tend to clump all those things together, but it's like, it's worth pointing out that the vast majority of people who are exposed to a traumatic event or even have a traumatic reaction don't necessarily go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's really important to point out. Yeah. Only, only on, I mean, studies kind of show on average, maybe around 10% of people who experience a traumatic event will go on to develop, um, the full set of, uh, symptomatic characteristics of post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Um, which are what real, just like, what's the quick, like what characterizes PTSD? Um, hypervigilance, meaning you're kind of keyed up anxious, um, more, more time of the day than not. Right. You're real yeah. edgy, real frightened, easy, startle response. Um, there's an evactive, um, avoidance of, um, reminders of the mm-hmm. event. Um, and then a lot of avoidance of, um, of, um, uh, situations, context, uh, where, uh, those memories might be present. So there's re-experiencing kind of that hyper arousal and, um, but nightmares are like the, are often one, that's like one you hear about all the time, right? Like in movies, like someone bolts out of bed, they're sweating bullets and they're remembering that, you know, event from the war or mm-hmm. from whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's a form of re-experiencing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or intrusive memories that mm-hmm. might come up out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, again, it could be around anything around the trauma, the event itself or your reaction to it or subsequent kind of judgments right. about yourself. So, so let me, here's my, and I'm not a PTSD expert, but, but based on my experience with it and, and what I know, and this will kind of transition us into the, the bigger topic here. I would say that, the primary thing that takes someone from having experienced a traumatic event and feeling a traumatic reaction into full-blown PTSD is all about how they relate to traumatic memories. So what I would say is anyone who experiences a trauma, a traumatic event, is going to experience traumatic memories about it. Like you're going to remember it off and on to some extent, right? Anyone who gets in a car crash is going to remember the car crash on occasion, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone Mm -hmm. who has some sort of horrific experience in war is going to remember that from time to time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's going to set, and I'm not saying this is the only thing, but one of the big things that separates people who go on to develop PTSD versus not is, has to do with how they think about and respond to those traumatic memories. Traumatic memories, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. That is it. Your relationship with those um, internal experiences will determine your your yeah. coping with them. And so, how how does that work? Like, how does someone? Let's say the car crash thing. I get in a car crash. I have really bad, um, some really bad injury, right? And I, you know, it's the first day I can like walk again. I get in my car, and as soon as I turn the key, like I have memories of the event. Mm-hmm. I start to feel anxious, right? Um, then what, right? Like, what are the options here? Um, going ahead and putting the car into gear mm-hmm. and, and driving to work. Driving anyway. Mm-hmm. Or wherever. Um, or you throw the, you turn the key immediately off mm. and you decide, geez, this just makes me too anxious, too, too well, I can't do this. I can't handle this memory um, and everything goes along with it. Yeah. And, and 
damn this accident for kind of doing this to me kind of thing and and i i can't cope and i'm yep. going back inside i'll have to call in sick or whatever or call is. someone to drive me or yeah I, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now why why are those two options? So, so there are more options than the twos, but those those yeah, get to what we need. Th- yeah. Those are the two core mm-hmm. kind of either mm-hmm. you d- you do the thing despite the painful memory and feelings associated with it, or you avoid the the memory and the feelings by sort of um, detaching from whatever it is you had planned to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, why does which one leads to PTSD and why? The avoidant behavior will more than likely not more than likely will, will can uh, yeah is, is more likely than the other response. Um, because you're reinforcing this escape maneuvering in response to your emotional reaction that's very normal, probably. Once you start up a car after your first accident or after a bad accident, you're likely to have um, some anxiety. Right. It's a really normal response. But by avoiding it, what you're doing is teaching yourself that you can't do this thing. And possibly subsequently, it's because you were in an auto accident that is now in your past beyond your control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're you're actively chipping away at your self confidence, and right? you're you, telling yourself, right. "I can't handle this," and teaching yourself that because you are in an accident, you can no longer do these things, right? Yeah, which if that goes on long enough, starts to wreak havoc with your identity. Right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah it, well, and and you see this all the time with with individuals with PTSD. You know, um, let's take the driving um, scenario where you know that their their drive to work is a half hour longer because they avoid a certain intersection. Oh. Um, because they're convinced that when they approach that intersection, they're not going to be able to handle their emotions and they're going to definitely remember that accident, things like that. And they can't do that. They can't remember that. Yeah. I think, what do you think about this? I, one of the things that strikes me too is one of the other danger or not dangerous, but um, unhelpful results of avoiding um, those traumatic memories and the feelings associated with them is that like anything, if you avoid it consistently, you're telling your brain this thing is not just unpleasant, but dangerous. Yeah. So you're literally teaching your brain, not only can I not handle these memories, but you're teaching your brain these memories are dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you start to be actively more and more afraid of the memories themselves and anything that might lead to those memories. Yeah, your, your tolerance for any of those cues or any of those specific memories decreases and decreases and decreases because you're constantly convincing yourself and teaching yourself that they're dangerous and to be avoided at all costs. Yes. Yeah. I, I just think this is such a, not not just with, with trauma and PTSD, but across almost any mental health issue, but, but even just in regular life, like if you consistently avoid something, you're teaching your brain that it's bad or dangerous. Mm. And that's a really, you gotta be careful with that. Well, I think, I think it's, it's this very counterintuitive kind of response that, that a lot of psychologists have to every problem, which a lot of clients will come in and they want you to remove the thought or remove the emotion that they're experiencing that's blocking them from a goal. Yeah, give me um, a coping skill so I don't feel this bad anymore. Yeah, and yeah, then I can go yeah. Do or the make thing. this make sense to me in a way that once it clicks, I don't feel the same way. Right. And and it's really hard sometimes in therapy to realize that the the more functional solution is to relate to that thought or that emotion in a different way, um, and teach yourself a different way of responding around it. Um, but it, it's exactly that. It's exactly the thing in, in post traumatic stress disorder that keeps. Um, keeps it alive is, is your right. designation that you cannot remember that event or process that event or think about that in a, in a functional healthy way. It's got to be avoided at all costs. Yeah. And, and, and that you can't live your life if those memories keep intruding on you. 
Right. And, the, and that because of this event and the subsequent things, you can never, I mean, you're creating a real gnarly rule system, system for yourself mentally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that emphasis on relating differently to those thoughts and emotions. Like I, I like to tell my clients sometimes you, you don't need new thoughts and emotions. You need a different relationship with the thoughts and emotions you already have. Yeah. Right. If for no other reason that like you can't, stop you can't stop yourself from having certain thoughts or memories or emotions <laughs> right like a lot of that's not not under your control your brain is going to throw that stuff at you mm-hmm. right what you do have control over is how you relate to and respond to those things when they do come up well and that's why i think uh, many, many of the treatments for ptsd that are successful um, help clients experience those memories and those thoughts and uh, helps them learn that they can they can manage their emotional response in those situations where they are having those memories so that by the end of treatment, you're able to have those internal memories or or, or internal experiences and emotions and memories. Um, But you've kind of, uh, you've taught yourself in a way that that's okay, that it's not going to be your undoing. Um, And and that's, that's often a difficult thing. For example, um, a client of mine, one, one uh, was sexually assaulted and a a particular song was playing in the background when Mm -hmm. it happened. And anytime that song came on the radio or in a bar or at the gym or whatever it was, I mean, she would collapse and, and run out of wherever she was. And it was becoming very distressing for her. And um, the idea was not to solve the make the make the feelings or that song go away because you can't make that disappear the idea is when that song comes on can i tolerate it and even continue working out and continue doing those things and know that it's only going to be for three minutes or whatever it is so it's relating to it differently rather than it being a signal to run um that you can tolerate it and sit in it for a while yeah and that the goal the goal isn't to have less fear and anxiety the goal is to have more confidence Mm-hmm. And that ironically, that's the only thing that actually leads to less anxiety. Because mm-hmm. if you have anxiety and you try to get rid of the anxiety or run away from it, you're actually just going to make it worse, right? But if yeah. you build confidence in your ability to have the anxiety and live your life anyway, that not only does it build your confidence, but it decreases your anxiety in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, your, your willingness to start that car engine up have that flush of adrenaline that like, oh my God, and those memories of the screeching tires and the crunching metal and still breathe and tell yourself I'm okay. Even though I feel this way, um, I still want to go to work. I still want to, there, that willingness to kind of rehearse that set of behaviors um, will lead to you being more competent and more confident in those situations. Um, an opportunity you might be robbing yourself of if you turn off the car engine and go back inside every time. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.